How are we doing, everybody? I think so. I think we're doing great. I mean, when you get to see the presence of the Lord in, the, in worship and you get to see people being baptized, man, it's a great day to be here at the fellowship. Super Bowl Sunday. As you can see, I still live in the eternal hope that the Cowboys will one day return to glory. Whether on this side of heaven or other side of heaven, it doesn't matter. But we didn't come here to celebrate teams. We came to celebrate Jesus. Because if there's one thing I know about Jesus and his spirit, he never lets us down. He only picks us up and elevates us to a place where we are more fulfilled. Our relationship with him is more satisfying. And at the end of the day, we feel like we are forever changed because we've been in the presence of the Lord. One Super Bowl is not going to do that to a person. I love what Chris Dolberry shared a few weeks ago when he did the little video clip of Tom Brady. And I remember all the boos and the hisses and all that stuff. But listening to a guy that's now won the MVP three times and he's won five Super Bowls, he's been to the Super Bowl eight times, and he sits there on camera and says, but there's still something that is out there. That's something that's still out there is Jesus Christ. And I pray that Tom Brady finds Jesus one day. Could be at the end of a pile. I don't know, but I hope he finds Jesus. This series that we've been on is called Choices, where we've been looking at life's healing choices throughout the last few weeks and, and how we can, can kind of move and change some things in our lives so that we can understand and who God is and what he wants from us. But sometimes before we can understand that, we have to make choices to get ourselves in a position of readiness for what Jesus offers to us. So week one was kind of like the I can't. Well, we have to face reality and, and basically look Jesus in the eye and ourselves in the mirror and say, we cannot, we are powerless to do anything on our own. There is nothing that we can try, we can buy, we can do, we can trade. There's nothing we can do that would take the place of God. We cannot. The second week was understanding that God can, the hope choice. Understanding that that because God is powerful, because God is eternal, because God is all the things the Bible says he is and more, he can. So when we feel like we've hit the dead, the dead end of the road, God is just beginning. Because what we see is a dead end. God just clears the trees and we keep on going. For what God has in store for you, we cannot say that we can. Only God can. And so when you look around, you're like, man, what is God doing in this place? We just simply say God can and God is. And God will continue to do as we remain faithful. So I can't. God can. And then Daniel last week shared with us the, uh, the frozen choice. Not really. But it's the letting go. Where we have to understand that what we can't and God can, we cannot try to take back. And we need to just let it go. So the sin, the guilt, the shame, the, the barriers that we're putting in place with the Lord, we have to let it go because we are blocking ourselves from what God wants to do inside of us. And so we have to be very careful that we don't get in the way of what God wants to do. And for some of us, that's a challenge because we like that word that starts with the C and ends with control. We like control. We like to call the shots. But what we find is when we let God do some calling of the shots, when we give things over to him and we let go, we are not weaker. We are stronger. We are not bound. We are free. And all we need to do is let it go. So in light of that, we want to look at the cleaning house choice, the coming clean. Now, for some of you that have already been a life group, you know this is probably a challenging week for the people sitting next to you. So if you know where we're headed, just be praying for the person sitting next to you or remind yourself of what you just learned in life group. And for some of you, it's still coming. So we'd love for you to join one of our life groups. But this is going to be an incredibly tough choice because that means we're going to have to be honest. 
You know, the other day I was doing some spring cleaning. Anybody done some spring cleaning in the middle of winter? That's me. I wear a Cowboys jersey. That should tell you all you need to know. But I was cleaning and I was working on some closets and I was putting some things up. And, and you know, usually the first question Callie likes to ask me is, what are you mad about? Because that's usually what I do. I clean. It's a disease. My name is Scott. I'm glad I'm a part of this group. But <clears throat> as I was cleaning, I noticed something. I noticed there's a lot of trash in my closets. I noticed there's a lot of trash that are in my shelves and things that are stored. Like I literally pulled a storage box and I literally cleaned out 25% of it because it was trash. It's amazing how I just glazed over this trash for years. I'm not saying for months or days. I'm talking about for years. And it dawned on me as I started thinking about this message and I started watching some of the tape and I looked at the transcripts and the study notes and as God began to speak to me, it came, became very clear. I cannot be who I am before the Lord when there's trash that I won't deal with. I can't be free in Christ when there's trash that is taking up the space that belongs to him. And so today, I hope that we come clean. I hope that we do deal, deal with some business with the Lord today because there is something in our lives that we need to let go of. We need to recognize that God can and we can't. And when we have that moment, then we will begin to see the freedom that is available to us readily because of Jesus Christ. Let me pray one more time and then we'll jump right in. Father God, we thank you so much that your spirit is present in this place. We thank you that you love us and care for us, that you have brought us to this intersection of life so that you could continue to teach us as we need to make life healing choices doing things differently so that we could have a more satisfying, more fulfilling relationship with you. But not only for our benefit, for the people around us, so that we can teach them and share with them and lead others to Jesus Christ. But even after that, it's not for our glory. It's for years and years alone. So as we enter into this message, would you speak powerfully, boldly, and clearly? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This week's choice that we're going to look at is Matthew 5.8. It says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see the Lord. Happy is the pure in heart, for they will see the Lord is another translation. So we have this kind of this intersection of what does it mean for us to be pure? I think there are several things it could mean. Some of these were in the notes. Some of these just prayer time, figuring out with the Lord. I think it means we have to have pure motives. Anything we desire the God to do in us needs to be a pure motive for his kingdom and his glory. If anything is outside of that, then it's selfish. And it's not a pure motive. So, for instance, if you would say later in the service, man, I need to give up something in my life. I need to let it go. Not for your glory. It may be for your benefit, but it's not for your glory. It's for the kingdom glory. It's for God. And hallelujah, we would celebrate that with you. For some of us, it's just simply we have some sin or we have some trash in our lives that we need to get out. And there are things that are staining our heart and preventing us from finding purity and freedom because we won't get the sin out of the compartment. We won't allow sin to get out of our lives. And so for us to be pure in heart, it may mean that we need a clean house and we need to change some things about ourselves. Maybe it's a lifestyle change. Maybe it's just a habit change. Maybe it's something that you've been hanging on to. It's been like a hurt or a guilt or a shame. And Jesus is here today to tell you, you just need to let it go. Because in his eyes, he's already let it go. He's waiting for you to figure it out so he can replace the guilt with freedom, with the sin, with holy choices. And anything that you've been struggling with to replace it with something that's for your benefit through his kingdom. 
and through his son, Jesus Christ. So what do we need to do? And it may be that we just need freedom, period. You've been so locked into different lifestyles. You've been so locked into doing things your way of life. It'd be like if I stood up here and I just put, you know, metal chains over and over and over. I couldn't go very far. And you see my muscles. I couldn't hold them up for very long. But when we find Jesus, Jesus takes off what we put on. And he never lets us go back. Maybe you need freedom today. I want to have kind of a mission you know, some of this is going to be about confession, and that's going to be a challenge for you, but I want to be honest with one another. And so I want everybody in the room to make sure that you understand before we say this that we are all on the same page. When it comes to this playing field that we call the spiritual life, we are all on the same field. We may be in different places, but we're all there together. I want you to look at this statement. It says something like this It's coming. There we go. We all have things in our lives that are taking up space that belongs to Jesus. The key word, all. So if you think that you're lower or higher or anywhere else than where everybody else is, you are wrong. We all have something in our lives because the Bible says in Romans, it says, for all have fallen sin, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. We all have done it. We're all in this place. Some of your things that are in God's spot are are really good things, but God wants you to take the good and replace it with great. God wants you to replace the things that are selfish with the things that are holy because the benefit is eternal, not momentarily. And so some of the things that you've been holding on to, I want you to pray all throughout this service that you would be able to come clean with yourself, with God, and maybe with somebody else. And just be able to let it go and and give it up and clean house so that you can be in the presence with God with a pure heart. Because it says, again, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. One of the things that a lot of us struggle with is is guilt. And as we were in life group just, just last week, we studied about five barriers. We studied about pride and we studied about guilt and we studied about worry and fear. And we also studied about doubt. And as you know, he's looking through the notes, the thing that really is to me the centerpiece of a lot of that is guilt. Because when we sin, we just hold on to that, oh, I'll never measure up again. We hold on to that, like that shame, like, oh, if they only knew what I had done, they will never love me. So I'm going to put on the church face, the happy face. And we hold on to that guilt. We begin to doubt God because how could God love somebody that is so messed up like I am? And we we feel guilty because we don't feel worthy. And I believe God is telling us, let it go. Let God take control of this situation because when you say, God, this is what needs to be cleaned out. Remember the first two weeks, I can't, God can. If you have a hard time cleaning it out, trust me, the power of the Holy Spirit will clean it out in Jesus' name. And you will find freedom in that relationship with Jesus Christ. It may be something that you are struggling with because guilt is, like I said, is the centerpiece you know, when we feel guilty, then we start trying to be religious. Anybody, don't raise your hand for yourself, but quietly or secretly, without me seeing, don't we try to do religious things to clear our conscience, to feel better about our spiritual walk? Don't we try to maybe look at the Bible for a change instead of just letting the dust settle on the, on the coffee table? Maybe we try to pray, but the best we can do is pray for a meal. We try religious things. But as we're looking at this choice and we're talking about coming clean, you need to recognize something. God is not asking you to become religious. 
God is asking you to become real. God has plenty of people that are religious in his lives. And if you look through the Bible, who does Jesus go after sometimes with the harshest of criticisms? It's not the sinners that are hurting. It's the religious saying, if you would only be real, if you would only be honest, then you would see how you have missed what I have to offer. You know, for some of you, that's it. You've tried religion. Man, you need to try a relationship with Jesus. If we want to get hyped up about something, let's get hyped up about the Holy Spirit and what it wants to do because it wants to show you the love, the grace, the mercy, the freedom from everything else through Jesus Christ. It wants to show you how it's possible to score that winning drive, to make that great play that you've been holding on to because some of us, uh, you know, I used to do this, this, let's make a deal with God. You know what I'm talking about? Like, God, if you will do this, then I will do that. No, 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 no. That's being religious. That's trying to figure out what you can get out of the relationship. But when we're real, it's like that moment in the Bible where the guy is sitting before the church and is found in the New Testament. And he's just sitting there, God, I'm a sinner. I am not worthy of your presence. Would you just simply forgive me? And Jesus said, that is more honest. That is more humbling. That is more of what I'm looking for than the person sitting next to you going, oh, thank you, God. I am not like these people. Man, he wants us to be real. And what's separating some of us from like that, from that life in Christ that we keep talking about, is you just need to be real. And admit that you don't know Jesus the way you should. Maybe you're not following Jesus the way that you claim. And today could be that house cleaning choice where you say, no more. I'm going to do it right the way that God designed. Whether I know all about God or I know just a little bit, I'm following all of what I know with the Jesus that I know. I love there's a pastor in Saddleback. He, he was one that, that preached this particular message years ago out at Saddleback. And he said two things that really have hammered me all week long because I just keep going. My mind just keeps going back to these things that Buddy says. And he makes a statement. It says, freedom is impossible without honesty. Freedom is impossible without honesty. You think about that for a moment. We want freedom, but we want it our way. Do we not? God, I want freedom from sin, but could I keep these over here? Because these over here are fun. God, I want freedom from sin, but I don't want anybody to know that I need freedom because we're at church. Freedom requires honesty. Freedom requires that we would get before the Lord first and foremost and say, Jesus, I am broken and I need you. And that we would then confess, we can do it privately if you'd like, but you and God get where y'all can be together and be real and be honest and you would find freedom in Christ. Because the great thing is something else that Buddy said. He said, the cost of freedom is truth. So there's a cost to be free in Christ. But the reward of truth is freedom. So if you would be willing to pay being honest and truthful, then the reward for your benefit is freedom. Man, I I think that would be something that a lot of us in here would need because we are trying to fake it until we make it. And God is saying, just be real, be honest and be free. Because then when we are cleaning house, then, you know, when, when you see things that aren't in, in, in right order and things that in your life that, that are not where God needs them to be, it's a whole lot easier to clean house. 
It's a whole lot easier to go, hey, this is not honoring God. See ya. Hey, I love that TV show, but it is not honoring God. Get out of my brain. Oh, I love that relationship. That is a good friend, but they are not spiritually healthy for me. I've got to let them go. And you will not look back. There still may be some consequences. There still may be some, some, some choices that have to be made in addition to, but you will understand the motivation and you will make it because you want freedom in your life from whatever is holding you back. Oh, man, that people would live in freedom. I think you can do it through your personal relationship with Christ, getting to know him in Bible study. The best thing about the Bible is you don't have to be a Bible scholar to read the Bible. You just have to be willing. You can start with things that you know. We've said it before. If all you know in the scriptures is John 3.16, then read John 3.16 till you're blue in the face and want to move on to John 3.17. If all you know is Jesus wept, then I would encourage you to just camp out in that moment when Jesus wept and you understand why Jesus wept and that relationship that made him cry like that. And you will begin to see the freedom that was found in that moment, not only for the person he was weeping for, but also the people that were watching it happen before them. That's what happens when we spend time with God's word. We need to do it in life group. We need to do it in community. There are so many times in my life where, you know, hey, I, I went to Bible college. I went to a seminary. Apparently, I'm supposed to know about the Bible. But, you know, when I sit with a group of guys on Tuesday mornings and we talk about the Bible, man, I learned just as much from that conversation as I ever did in a semester of you name the book. Because when God gets a hold of a man's life and he begins to share what he's been doing, man, that's incredible. That is such rich knowledge to have of seeing the scripture come alive. And that's found when we get in community with one another. You could do that through our life groups. Some of my friends, they call themselves the Bible searchers. They're going to be out the lobby after church. I know that they would love to help you find a life group that fits for your schedule, works for your family, and they would love for you to be in community with somebody, even if it's not them, because they love Jesus and we would love to help you find community. And then you find it here at worship. One of the neatest things about understanding who God is is just by releasing yourself for about 45 minutes to an hour and a half, depending on what we're doing here, and just saying, God, for these next moments, would you teach me whatever I need to hear? I don't understand half of what they're singing. I don't understand half of what they're saying. But I know there's something here because you keep bringing me back to church. Teach me in this worship service. And then watch God every week teach you a little more and a little more and make you more curious and get you a little more excited about his learning. And then all of a sudden, man, you're starting to pick stuff up and make life changes and you're house cleaning. And all of a sudden you become pure in heart. And as the scriptures say, blessed are those who are pure in heart because they will see God. Now, let's be clear. We're not going to stand right here and God's going to stand here as a person. When we say you'll see God, you'll see God begin to work in your life. You'll see God in your community. You'll see God in your family. You'll begin to see God moving here. And then you will take notice of all the things that God is doing because your heart is in the right place. And there's nothing separating you from seeing God's presence. You know, something Chris Dobery said a couple weeks ago, we talk about, um, you know, behavior. And we talk about some of the things that we try to do And Chris said something, he said, it's not about what we've done, it's what God does, and God has done. So I want to show you some scriptures here. If you would, take a note or turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. I want you to notice as we go through these three scriptures, the progression of what Paul is saying Jesus is already doing in your midst. What God has even done before you even recognized it. Because I think when we start thinking about the house cleaning choice, 
you'll begin to see what God has already been at work. And it's just time for us to recognize the truth. For instance, in five, Romans 5, 8, it says that God proved his own love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There was a great cost that is associated with our sins, and Jesus took it for us. Jesus paid that cost for you. So when we begin to think that, man, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this, the bill's been paid. You're playing with house money at that particular moment. You can do a lot of things through Christ that gives you strength because he's already paid the cost. Then you go over to Galatians chapter 5. When we begin to think about the cost and we begin to think about, you know, all the things that Jesus has done, we think about the cross and the crucifixion and the resurrection. And we go, why would Jesus do this? Why would this person give up his life for us? Why do you guys keep saying that? Paul writes that in Galatians 5.1. He said, for freedom, Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and don't submit to the yoke of slavery again. So there's a transaction already been taking place. Jesus paid the cost and the transaction is to get you out of the, the yoke of slavery and into freedom. And then Paul writes, goes back into 2 Corinthians chapter 5, because apparently chapter 5 is where all the truth is found. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5.17, we've talked about it a number of times here. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. So let's look again. There was a cost. Jesus gave his life. Even before you knew it, Jesus gave his life for you. So that at this particular juncture in your life, when you would say, hey, I, I know there's some things I need to do differently. Jesus is saying, hey, don't worry about the penalty of sin because I've already taken care of it. The transaction is, why did Jesus do that? Because he wants you to be free. And the reward for us is that he wants to make us a new creation. That's why when Maddie is talking about her faith in Christ, and we were just sharing just a few moments ago, she's saying, I'm new. This is, a new. this is a new season. This is a new age for my life. I want people to know what Jesus has been doing and what I want Jesus to do moving forward. And that's what we're talking about here. Maddie is a new creation because of her faith in Jesus Christ. All those children are new creations in Jesus Christ. They may keep the same name. They may keep the same family. They may even still have to have some consequences from a physical standpoint. But in Christ, there is no eternal consequences because we are set free and we are a new creation. And what is our greatest sin, our greatest shame, all the guilt that we have can become our greatest story. When we give our lives to Christ and then Christ says, you know what? You were in the middle of that and that was terrible, but I want you to go take that story and go share it with somebody. I need you to share with the person sitting two, three seats down from you. Not right now. But you may need to build a relationship with that person over the next few weeks and months, maybe even years. And you need to be able to share that story because they are in it or they are about to go through it. And I need them to know a physical person that has come through it through Jesus Christ. Man, that we would find things that would give us freedom. The basis of a pure heart is not how good we've been, but how good God is. And some of us, you know, I, I've met a few people and talked to several people over the course of ministry. They've said this. He said, you know, I really can't love Jesus until I'm perfect or I get some things in order. I want you to know something very clearly. And maybe this is what you need to know. Jesus doesn't wait for you to be free from guilt and life is perfect. Jesus wants to welcome you into his presence just as you are where you are and lead you into a new path. 
Jesus wants to take you just as you are, broken and battered, and show you love and compassion and forgiveness and grace and mercy and lead you somewhere. He wants you to clean house because the more you clean house and make room for Jesus, the more you will see that Jesus wants to offer you beyond this particular moment. Oh, that we would just make room for Jesus Christ. I love what it says in Psalm 139 when we talk about personal prayer time. David's saying this. He says, search in me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. And if anything is in me, anything offensive in me, lead me in the way of the everlasting. Meaning if there's any sin in my life, any guilt, any shame, anything that I've never dealt with you about or anything I've been trying to hold on to, would you bring that to my presence, to my knowledge, and allow me to confess it before you so that we can now walk together? And we just need to understand that God knows you better than you know you. Rick Warren even said in, in Life Group last week, he said, you know, the grip that God has on you is way stronger than the grip that you have on you. So that we need to just confess and say, whatever I'm doing, whatever is in me, show it to me. And begin to pray about it and to begin to, to attack it. To make sure there is nothing standing in the way between us and God's presence. Oh, that we would live a life like that. There's so much grace and mercy and love. I want to encourage you. Something I just saw in my notes here. Sin has a way of saying, you know, you just need to run away from God. God has no business with you. Can't be around sin. I'm telling you right now, don't run from God when you find your sin. Run to God. Because unlike many of us, when somebody sins against us, what do we do? We don't we usually turn on them? Slap a few comments on social media? Stop talking and give them the, you know, the... You know, it's amazing. We always give men the hard time, but I've seen a few women do it too. You're like, hey, what's up? I'm not going to talk to you, but I'll acknowledge your presence. And we get to isolate people because of their sin. I'm telling you, God doesn't isolate you. God welcomes you into his presence because when you're in his presence, he loves you. He gives compassion. And so sin is trying to keep you away. God is trying to bring you close. And that's for us in humanity. Maybe sometimes we don't need to judge what we think we heard. We just need to welcome people in our presence because of the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Oh, maybe we could really do some business there. Psalm 32.5 says, Finally, I confessed all my sins, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. And what David writes here at the end is just so powerful. I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And because of this personal experience, he writes there right at the end, and you forgave me. All my guilt, say it out loud, is what? It's gone. That's the housekeeping choice that we need to make. When we say, hey, all this stuff's before me, that you will find God's forgiveness. And all that guilt is gone. So powerful is Scripture. Paul writes in Romans, he says, I am persuaded that neither, di neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Meaning, whatever you think is keeping you from the Lord, Jesus can step over it. Whatever you think God can't forgive, God is already beyond it. Whatever you are holding on to, I promise you, is nothing compared to what you would embrace when, with Jesus Christ. You need to make the choice and clean some house. So how do we do that? How do I clean house? How do I have and maintain a pure heart? The housekeeping choice, as you'll read in, in, in the book, that maybe if you have, or maybe you, the, some of the resources, you'll see 
that I will begin to feel empowered and courageous to confess to myself, confess to God, maybe even confess to another about the things that are going on in my life because with that confession comes freedom. So how are we going to do that? Number one is that we need to be honest with our own heart condition. We need to confess to ourselves. One of the tips and tricks that, that Rick Warren will share with you in Life Group, and one of the things that we would share with you is, as Lynn Taylor and, and I were preparing this message is, you need to kind of take a moral inventory of where you're at. And not just be generic, like there is sin there, and there is things here, and this isn't so great. But I mean, be specific. Be brutally honest with yourself, because if you can't be brutally honest with yourself, number two is going to be a little difficult. And just say, I am struggling with this. I am struggling with that. I have never confessed the sin of this. And you begin to make your own private personal list and just keep it to yourself, put it in your Bible, and you begin to pray about it. You begin to search scripture about it. You begin to be honest about your own personal heart condition. Because what Buddy Owen said just a few moments ago, freedom requires honesty. Honesty costs us truth, but the reward is freedom. We need to do that. But let's start with ourselves and be honest. Scripture says, again, Psalm 139, search me, know me, know my heart, test me. And then he says, see if there's anything in me that's offensive to you and lead me. So as you begin to journal, as you begin to write, as you begin to see things that God is impressing upon you, begin to write that down and circle it in a journal or circle it on a a restaurant napkin, whatever you got to do and say, this is what I'm praying between me and the Lord right now, that he would release me from this. And when you get to be honest with yourself, the second step of that confession is that you would then begin to repent and place your heart into God's hands. Repent. Is something that is all throughout the New Testament. And in a, in a Scott's dumbed down simple version, it means if I was going this way during the path of sin, repentance is I am going this way in the path of freedom. Repentance is not something that we set down and we'll pick up later because it's okay. It's one thing like if I know this is bad, I am going away. I'm running away from it. That may, may mean you need to make some drastic changes, but repentance is drastic and you need to go in the path of freedom. God says it very clearly that we need to confess and put our trust in him. This is a matter that's a daily matter. To wake up every day and say, I'm going to trust you and you alone. Oh, how powerful that could be. Luke 5, again, another chapter 5. You're welcome. I keep consistency here. Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32 says this. He said, Jesus replied in conversation, I didn't come for the healthy. It's not the healthy that need the doctor. It's the sick. I have not come to call the righteous. I have come to call the sinners to repentance. I believe Jesus has called every single one of us because if we're honest with ourselves, we're all sinners in God's hands, in God's eyes. But because of Jesus Christ, we can all be redeemed in God's eyes too. We can all be given that grace and mercy. But it requires that we repent and we place our trust in our heart and our faith in God. So we confess to ourselves. We be honest. We take a moral heart inventory. We confess to God and we're beginning to, to ask him, well, show me and then remind ourselves that he is faithful. Because it says in Romans 10, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is a great thing that John Baker writes in his book. Let's talk about God's forgiveness. In case you didn't know, and maybe you've never experienced it before, then you need to understand about God's forgiveness. One, it's immediate. 
There's not like a, you know, walk the hot coals or go down this path or do, you know, 75 prayers that you found on Twitter or Facebook. It is immediate that is confession before the Lord because the Bible says when we confess to the Lord and we believe in our heart, we are saved. It's immediate. It's also free. Now, it did cost. It cost Jesus his life. But God's forgiveness to you is free. I know we love some free stuff. Think about your favorite restaurant in the whole wide world. If they called you tomorrow, they called you, sent you an email right here in just a few moments and said, I've got a free meal for you. Some of y'all would shoot up singing glory, hallelujah, and you'd be out the door. Better than your favorite meal, better than a Super Bowl Sunday, better than anything you can possibly imagine is the free of freedom of grace and mercy and forgiveness that Jesus offers to you. And it should always make us jump up and shout for joy when we find freedom and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. The third thing to, to find and to maintain a pure heart is the toughest one. And that is that we would find a trusted, godly friend to help us grow. There's an A word that is accountability. Most of us hate accounting, especially when it doesn't work in our favor. But this accountability will always work in our favor. Because when we have a godly, Christ-centered, mature-in-the-faith person, and we are confessing and building a relationship with them, then this particular person has the freedom to come in and say, this is where I see you could be growing in the Lord that you're not. If you would take that moral inventory and you said, I've already talked to myself, I've already prayed to the Lord, I need somebody to come alongside me and pray with me, man, God would begin to do that for you. And he would begin to find a friend that would be able to speak into your life and begin to speak into their, your situation and be able to really get a hold of, of all that you're doing and show you a better way. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another because there you will find healing. Because the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. And I love what Solomon writes in his journal to his kids talking about this very thing as well. He says in Proverbs 17.17, 17, A friend loves at all times, but a brother, or we'll say sister, is born for a difficult time. There's a level of community and accountability that we all need that we need to embrace. You may not easily say, ooh, yeah, sign me up because you have trust issues. You've been burned. People have done things to you. But I promise you, when you will make yourself available to what God is doing, you will welcome people into your midst. That's why life group can sometimes be the hardest choice because you have to be vulnerable and get to know new people. All the introverts in the room go, we know. But when we invite that community into our lives, that's just another layer of God's goodness where he can begin to teach us and he can begin to grow us and he can begin to search us and lead us into a path that is straight and pure and straight to him. Because the Bible said, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. 